0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome to VUX World, the practical voice podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Sparks, the Sparks app. Now, if you are a podcast listener, which it sounds as though you might be, you will probably have a podcast app that you listen to podcasts in. And the Sparks app is a new podcast app, which allows you to capture Sparks, essentially ideas and thoughts as you listen to the podcast, this podcast. If you have the thoughts and ideas and notes that you want to take to remind yourself of what was discussed or remind yourself of the ideas that you've been having you can save them as sparks in the sparks app and that means that they've captured them there and they'll be there forever if ever you want to re-jog your memory about which point of the podcast you were listening to you can head back to that spark and you can just consolidate all of your notes and all of your thinking now the sparks team are looking for feedback it's in beta at the moment so if you do want to give it a try head to sparksapp.io/vux. Give it a try out. See what you think. I'm quite enjoying it. I think it's quite good. It's a good little concept. Um, but they are looking for feedback. So please do head there, try it out, and do reach out to the team and give them your feedback. They're trying to make the podcast app for podcasters, or podcast app for, for hardcore podcast listeners, should we say. And so do check it out. That's sparksapp.io slash V-U-X. Now, on with the show. It feels a little bit epidemic-y, it? <laughs> it does.
1: It does. It's... Um... We, I, I saw on Twitter somebody saying that all of the blogs, all of the news that they read is now a coronavirus blog, is it now a coronavirus news, whether it's uh, having to do with cooking or what. So I don't think we're going to be exclusively coronavirus today, but we might have some news here and there associated <laughs> with it.
0: Yeah, yeah. It does seem as though you can't go anywhere uh, without hearing about it, which is mad because given what has been speaking about, we might not be able to go anywhere at all without catching it. So uh, it's it's all over the place.
1: How how are people responding in London and the uh, general UK? Um.
0: Well, <laughs> I'll read you a text. Okay. This is this is uh this is a text from my mum, right? And she'll be. She'll be uh, delighted to have some airtime. Uh, so she said, Where is it? Where's it gone? Uh, I don't want to be alarming. But don't do a single thing in the next month at all in capital letters outside if you don't have to. I'm gonna use my scarf to open doors and wash my hands all the time and try and take my clothes off when I come in. <laughs> then my mum is off it. Thinking of using gloves whilst it's cold. Gemma, what do you think? So so she's not trying to panic people, but she's basically saying that she's on total lockdown and stacking up <laughs> the freezer and she's not moving <laughs> unless she, because she might catch coronavirus. So that's a little bit of a glimpse into how mum family are taking it, but broadly speaking, I think some people are kind of thinking that it's uh, maybe, you know, either being blown out of proportion by the media, others are saying that actually it's probably a lot worse than what it has been reported to be, and I don't know, I don't know, it's a weird one, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it really is. I had to be in the US last week, and I flew back, my flight was five minutes after Trump made the announcement, that there is no, not going to be, or. no one knew what was happening. So what they did was they said, anyone who doesn't want to get on the flight, we will gladly rebook you for a future time. We'll get your bags off the flight. And there were people who were already on the plane getting off the plane. Wow. So um, I had to go back, but everyone had their own row. It was, it was a bit of a surreal experience.
0: Wow. So was the flight empty then? Was it like a, one there of those were, like there ghost 50, flights?
1: 50 people on a full-sized Full size, 777 or, or whatever.
0: Wow. wow! Well, yeah. some people would kill for that kind of leg room.
1: <laughs> but my coworker was saying that on the way back from Europe to the US, the next day, because everyone was freaking out, entirely, entirely boarded plane.
0: Wow. Yeah. Wow. It's mad. It's mad. It's, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's a weird one, isn't it? It sounds as though everyone's going to be either coming into contact with it or... Something it doesn't look. There's a really interesting. I know this isn't a, a coronavirus podcast, but um, it is the kind of topical thing. But there's a really good article on uh, Medium which looks into actual cases versus reported cases, and it goes back in China and looking at when they had reported cases of X amount. Afterwards, like weeks later, when they find out the true number of cases, the true number of cases was far higher than what was being reported at the time. So they reckon that if any of the any of the official figures which which say how many people have the virus in any country they reckon you can almost times it by 10 or 20 given the oh, number wow. of actual cases that'll exist at that time which is frightening
1: yeah, yeah. so no freaking out but Take it seriously.
0: <laughs> don't freak out, but barricade yourself indoors. <laughs> I'm supposed to be going to the pub later as well, so I'm, I'm, I don't know what to do <laughs> about that. Anyway, but but even Google has been uh, has been on the coronavirus uh, front, on the coronavirus front, has been uh, coming out pretty uh, strongly on the actions front, Google. Uh, sorry, Justin.
1: Yeah, yeah, it looks like it. I know there. you mentioned that there was an article in VoiceBot. Was that where it was? And I also saw... In a developer group, as well as someone saying that Google is not allowing any actions and, and maybe even removing actions related to coronavirus. What do you think about that, Kane?
0: Yeah, it's a it's a mad one. I think that well, I don't know whether people have realized that coronavirus is happening, and then they've kind of like sprung into action to make skills about it. Um, but what Google is kind of Google saying is that um, your action is related to or contains content related to COVID-19. In the current climate, our platform is working to provide consistently accurate information about the topic, and for that reason we're limiting approval of actions related to COVID-19, and our teams are actively working to ensure people have the most up-to-date and authoritative information to stay safe. So, Based on their reasoning, I think that they're kind of saying that they don't, they don't want any Tom, Dick or Harry to just be pumping COVID-19 content out there. They want to leave it to probably the likes of BBC, NBC, Sky whoever to report the latest based on what's happening or what the government advice is or whatever it might be.
1: Yeah. I think that's really smart. Even, even if you have a good actor, it seems like things are moving so quickly, right? You know, just two weeks ago, Italy was fine. Now Italy's on lockdown. All of these things are moving so quickly that you can't really, even if it's a good actor, you can't expect them to go in there, make sure that they're, Action is completely up to date. I'd be interested in seeing if Amazon's doing the same thing. I would guess probably so, but it seems like a good move overall.
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I was experimenting with the BBC skill yesterday and no lie, because uh, I've been working from home, I've been up in, in my office upstairs, and whenever I'm going down to uh, make a cup of tea, which is probably a few times a day, I've purposefully been using the BBC skill because I've been wanting to see if things do change. And funnily enough, it does, it updates. It, probably yesterday, I think, it updated two or three times based on you know Boris Johnson's having a meeting, Ireland have now closed, I can't remember if it's Northern Ireland or, or Ireland have closed schools and everything. And all of that happened yesterday and I found out through the BBC skill and obviously they've got a whole team dedicated towards the upkeep and the reporting of this stuff across all their channels. And so you're right. Yeah, you can't really expect a a hobbyist who's bashing away skills in the bedroom to be so this that they're going to dedicate enough time to it to report timely and accurate information. Yeah, I mean... I might
1: get in a little trouble for what I'm about to say but if you can't even have the President of the United States reading off a teleprompter to get details right (laughs)
0: you
1: can't expect you can't expect a solo developer to do it
0: no no did you see the video of um, I think it was I can't remember her name but it was one of the MPs in London and she was giving a speech about what to do to protect yourself and stuff like that and she stood on the podium and she's got a paper in front of her and she's reading off the paper and she says so the best thing to do is to wash your hands Regularly, stay indoors if you can, and whatever you do, don't touch your face. She then licks a finger to go and turn <laughs> the page. <laughs> Immediately after, it's unbelievable. Oh, yeah. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. But it's interesting how the role of of voice technology, what role that will play in this kind of environment, because not only is it a moving beast that is changing by the half day, every half a day, there's new cases, there's more deaths, there's new actions that different countries are taking, etc. But also over time, if people do have to contain themselves indoors and stuff like that, one, it's what is the role in voice technology of reporting timely news? It used to be Twitter that was the place to go for all this stuff. I found out yesterday that it's possible to get timely information through Alexa. But then the other thing is people might be spending a hell of a lot more time in their home. And so what will the role of smart speakers be there? And will we see people trying to capitalize on that, including Amazon and Google and trying to sort of like send people to certain things to entertain themselves while content in themselves
1: yeah I think that's one, going to be one of the interesting interesting side effects of all of this is the, the almost rapid change in, in consumption and behavior and all that so, you know you certainly see in terms of well, people are going to be watching Netflix a lot more people and people are going to go into the theater a lot less and certainly smart speakers aren't in the office all that much uh, but people are home you know they're around. And so that is quite interesting to see, Hey, is there, you know, obviously not the most important thing about all of this, but it will be interesting to see if there is indeed that kind of uplift. You know, I was also thinking about purchasing, for example, an Echo show for my mother. My in-laws have one. We bought them one for Christmas and my wife will video chat with him uh, every, every Sunday. And so that could be a way to, you know, just stay in touch, uh, whether it's, the Echo Show, whether it's the the home hub or or even Facebook Portal, perhaps right. That is a way for us to stay in touch when we are sequestered.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's about you were saying earlier on as well. Uh, the obviously the stock markets are having a bit of an impact, and you mentioned something earlier on which was quite interesting, which was the potential of another economic downturn, and if that goes on, what will that do to the, not just the, the consumer market, but also on the enterprise who might be considering investing in this kind of technology, what will the impact of that be? And will people continue with them plans or will they look to scale back? Yeah,
1: I'm trying to think and it's, you know, at least for the past 30 years, we haven't seen a new technology come in during a recession, right? You did see mobile apps and things like that come in, but that was right after 2008, 2009. So right after things were starting to get a little bit better. And there was obviously the dot-com bubble burst, uh, but it took a while, even if you think about from 2001 to say 2005, when social media really came came into play, that took a while for that to grow as well. So it will be interesting to see if companies continue investing in voice, something that is notoriously bad right now for not having a very clear ROI, or if they're going to back off a little bit as well. So I, th- I think that will be interesting to see. Hmm.
0: Maybe all of the decision makers will be spending a lot more time at home and get a lot more value out of their smart speakers, and then return to work with a clearer view of how things might pan out for them. Yeah,
1: perhaps. Uh, one thing that you know is, is is somewhat relevant because you're talking about really having these new experiences. And I mentioned I was in the U.S. Uh, for last week. And I had to rent a car as well. And so that was actually my first experience with a voice assistant in the car. Uh, because was, I live in a very urban area, don't have don't have a car. Have you... Do you have a car, Kane?
0: I have a car, but it doesn't... Well, it has a very, very poor voice recognition thing in it. So it, it doesn't work very well at all.
1: Got it. Yeah, I had... The car that I had, it had Android Auto in it. So you, nice. you hook up your phone, you know, you you have that available. And so it had a system baked in as well. And it was, it was quite useful. You know, I can, I'm not super bullish when it comes to, uh, you know, things in earbuds and things like that. I actually never use that. I could see the value of it. I just, it's just not in my, in my day-to-day usage, but with a car, incredibly powerful, you know, I could hear text messages that my family was sending me. I could respond to them. I could change the music. I could search for, for maps. It really was perhaps even more than at, than at home, a perfect use case for voice assistants.
0: Mm, I've, heard, I've heard that same stuff. So I spoke at the uh, financial services forum last week, a uh, week before actually, <clears throat> and um, someone there had a Mercedes And said that the assistant in the Mercedes was absolutely fantastic and that they use it all the time. And so it does seem as though voice is kind of finding its way. What's interesting, I think, is that we're seeing vehicles shipping with Alexa. And there's been other reports out there that have said that the the voice assistant in the car is a... A not, not not a huge factor, but it is a factor in, in purchasing a car. If, if you have a whole home full of Google Home uh, and it's got Android Auto or Google Assistant in it, you might be more likely to go with that car. And the same be true if, if you're an Alexa house with, with Alexa in the car. But interestingly, uh, I was speaking to someone the other day who was talking about how some of the car manufacturers are actually potentially a little bit apprehensive about using Alexa and Google Assistant in the car because of the fact that obviously all of the data, all of this customer data is going straight to those two big companies. And if you're a Mercedes or a BMW, it's not really what you want. It's similar to, to being a retailer. If you're a large retailer, you you know, you know probably don't really want all of that first party customer data going to Amazon and then you just getting the odd intent sent to you. Um, so it's interesting how it plays out. And we are seeing that that car manufacturers are creating their own assistance, being Mercedes being a prime example of one. So it'll be interesting how that kind of dynamic works, you know?
1: Yeah. And then you, you have the Android or not the Android, the, the Alexa auto. That's what it's called. The the little standalone device that you can plug in as well. So that's, uh, you know, that's an interesting approach. Also, I can understand why these auto manufacturers, these grocers, whomever, you know, don't want to, to get too much in bed with these companies. But as a consumer, certainly you talked about the, the brand or the, the, the make the model, all of that being influenced by what's inside the car assistant wise. I think if I were to purchase a car, that would be probably top five Yeah, criteria that I would have.
0: Yeah. I think so. These days it would be, I mean, I've mentioned on the, on the vlog that, that we've been doing on LinkedIn that, um, not having an assistant in your car, when when you get to a point where you use voice assistants quite a lot, and I've got to, I think I'm at that point now where I use it, multiple, um, I use all of them probably multiple times a day. I'm using Siri a lot more. I use the Dictate all the time. All my messages are through that. I'm using Alexa all the time in the kitchen, Google Home, probably more so when I'm in the office. Um, and so I'm just finding myself naturally over the course of the years that we've been working in this industry, using them all myself a hell of a lot more. And I've caught myself a number of times driving. I don't actually drive that much, to be honest, but, uh, but the times when I've been driving, I've caught myself go, ele- i mm. just about to say Alexa and I realize it, that I don't have it. And so not having access to it becomes something that you feel at a loss. And so having it in the car and thinking about getting a new car that I think you're right. Yeah. I think that would be a, a decision, a, a priority really.
1: Yeah. It's, it's interesting how, how much these burrow into our lives and, and really change how we approach things when, you know, when I'm on the road, when I'm traveling, certainly having to turn lights on and off like a, you know, like, like, a, hu- like a
0: human, century,
1: Yeah, like a 19th century <laughs> peasant, uh, you know, I don't even know what I'm doing in my life. Uh, uh yeah, it, that's the kind of thing when people say that voice is a fad, I, that's what I point to to say. It's, it's hundred percent, not a fad. This might not be something that's, you know, super prevalent. This might not be something where brands rush in. That's still, still to be seen. I think we're very bullish on that, but that's still to be seen. But in terms of these voice assistants going away, it's it's too late. It's too late. People already see the value in it.
0: Yeah definitely and once you've got that that trigger that internal trigger which has you think about saying hey google or alexa before you think about pulling your phone out of your pocket which i think is the point i'm, out, I'm almost i'm at that point depending in some environments now um and that's obviously why amazon and google are spending as much as they're spending on the marketing because they know that whoever wins out of those two wins you, you will be an alexa house or you'll be a google house you know people like us might have both because we're so deep into this that we want to test it all but the average consumer is probably going to end up having a smart home which is an alexa smart home or a google smart home and then that then permeates into their vehicle their car their choice of headphones all that kind of stuff and once you've got that internal trigger it's game over
1: yeah i mean even even for us who have these different platforms i know we've talked about this in the past but maybe things have changed do you use them equally or do you have one that you use the vast majority of the time
0: Probably yeah so I probably use Alexa most because it's it's in the kitchen and in the front room Whereas with Google Assistant, it's predominantly in my office. And that's probably a, a, a winner, a, like first, first what is it called? The uh, first mover advantage. So I had the Echoes across the house before I got the Google Homes. And now the Google Homes have like, weaved themselves into the spaces where the Echoes aren't. In fact, even in my office, I've got both of them. Um, so yeah, I, I use Alexa more in the house, but I also use Siri quite a bit. Even though it, it gets like smashed for not having that much third party support, I still use it because it's quicker to do stuff, quicker to send text messages, emails, read emails, that kind of stuff. What about you? Do you use one more than the other? You seem like a Google Assistant kind of person.
1: I am a Google Assistant kind of person. I probably use that 95% of the time. Uh, and the reason I use that is because my music platform is is Google. My calendar is on Google. My emails on Google. All that is tied in, but it's primarily actually the the music. That's really what's driving that. I think if I were to use Spotify, for example, I probably would be more on the Alexa side just simply because the devices I think are quite a bit better on the, on the Alexa side. And it integrates with, with I think a fair bit more uh, in terms of just physical hardware, the capabilities across it. I feel like they're pretty equal. I think Google does do a better job of answering questions. But for the things that I do, it's, I f- think there's an advantage there for for Amazon. And, it, you know, even just to, to a very minor point, the Echo Max, I believe it is, or, you know, one of the newer Echos, it even has a thermometer built in as well. So I can ask what the temperature is internally, which has actually come in handy a lot. Surprisingly, when I had the flu last year, I was freezing, but I had to get this sort of sanity check. Hey, is it actually freezing in here? And I could just, I could just ask Alexa. And that was, that was quite useful. And that made me go, okay, this is a nice piece of hardware. Mm,
0: yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, yeah, I agree. I I like the, I quite like the, the Google Home Hub. Um, That's a pretty smart device. I actually like that better than, I don't have the Google Home max whatever it's called uh i've got the mini uh, i've got the i've got three home hubs now actually i keep getting them given um but but yeah so but but the echo show i was thinking about the echo show and the kind of the potential of it And, and i suppose the the home hub is the same in that basically what what so one of the things i've been talking about on the vlog this week is how how Amazon, in particular, given that they're the smart speaker market leader, has managed to, without people really knowing, has managed to install fixed computer terminals in everyone's rooms across the house. Now, if you if you if you'd have tried to sell that. Basically, sell selling compute fixed computers that have a specific location. No one moves the smart speakers from ha- from room to room. You install them and they're there. They don't get upgraded half as much as your phone because they just run the software and they run the software. You know, for what for what most people need them for, they don't need to be any quicker than they are. Um, and so they've managed to kind of install these fixed location computer terminals within people's houses and at the same time roll out almost covertly a Brand new operating system, which is kind of what Alexa is, really. Google Assistant, I think, is a bit different, because what you were saying... um around the fact that you use Google Assistant for your calendar and your messages and that. Basically, if you if you are in the Android ecosystem, Google Assistant is absolutely perfect because that's what it's doing, isn't it? It's pulling all of the Android functionality and surfacing it through Google Assistant. And it's obviously better at answering questions because it's got a vast, vast understanding of how to organise questions from the web. And the activity that Google's been on uh, in recent months is essentially trying to surface more and more of that web content through Google Assistant, you know the FAQ schema markup, the how-to tutorials that you can do on there, uh, reading out featured snippets, speakable markup which is in beta, all this stuff, and then also they've got the in-app actions and in-app slices, so they're also trying to branch into apps on your phone and surface functionality from within apps through Google Assistant. And so they're they're very much on an ecosystem play, whereas Alexa is very much like a standalone brand new operating system. And I'll come back to the Echo Show because with it being in our kitchen, I use that more than any other device. And what's frustrating sometimes is that I can see the I can see fast forward five years and I can see these echo shows replacing even the home hubs, to be honest, replacing TVs in the kitchen in the same way as smart speakers have replaced radios. But what I think is holding it back is weirdly, and this is mad for, for a voice enthusiast to say, what's holding it back is the functionality on the screen. Really, you want the app that you want the ability not for it to be a priority but the ability to do whatever you can do within the voice application or whatever you can do within the application that's on your phone to be able to do that both with your voice and by touching it and so what i'd like to do is on alexa on the echo show i'd like to just be to say alexa create an evernote and have that Evernote pop up. And then I just dictate my note and it will do it. But then if I want to go back and correct it, I'd rather just pause, just tap on what I want to correct, double tap it and delete it. Cause that's easier to do by touching, whereas dictating is easier to do with voice. And so that's kind of my little vision for what I've been thinking about a lot this week is that it is an operating system, but for it to reach the heights that it needs to, the interplay between voice and the screen needs to become more seamless.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. It really has replaced the TV in the kitchen for a lot of people. And we had a podcast recently with Tim from Food Network who talked about that exact topic with the the live content on the on the platform. Can you remind people what that was about?
0: Tim? Yeah, so the Food Network are working on on a live cooking experience essentially. And funnily enough, I don't know if you remember, but we spoke Probably about 18 months ago when we were kind of like brainstorming ideas and stuff like that. And we had a conversation about live broadcasting on Alexa. And we were saying between us, I think that it might be a little bit early, but it's what the Food Network have started to do, prioritising the Echo Shows. And so what they're doing is you can just say to Alexa, Alexa, start a live cooking show and it will pick up a feed from the Food Network and play you a live cooking Demonstration that is being streamed live right there and then. Think of Twitch on Alexa or Periscope on Alexa or something like Facebook Live in Alexa. Um, and it's interesting because Amazon have been building that technology out with the Food Network. So the Food Network already do this in their app and it's premium content that you can pay for for some of the live broadcasting. But they're also working on functionality which will let you talk to Alexa during the live broadcast and feed questions to the chef who will then answer it live, which is mad. I mean, think about that. Think about, tra- once they've fixed that, think about, think about putting that onto the fire stick and having that on your actual TV. You've then got live, interactive live TV.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, not to tie this back to coronavirus, but you see, you know, so much uh, schools are closing and there's people, uh, students are learning from, from streaming streaming uh my the church that i attend in san francisco last week had no service this next week they'll have no service but they streamed everything online as well and so it's, it's interesting to see that as well and see perhaps these devices as a distribution channel for this but kane you were saying that you almost feel like this is perhaps a harbinger or a sign that skills are going away
0: yeah. So whether it's skills going away, I don't know. But what I, I was thinking about it, this a lot because I listened back to the podcast. I tend to listen back to the podcast during the week because sometimes when you're in the conversation, you tend to miss stuff because you're listening. You, you are listening intently, but you're, there's so much kind of when, you know, when you're concentrating so much and afterwards you forget the whole thing. You know, if if anyone has like played golf before, sometimes if you're having a really good round of golf, which for me is not very often, but but every now and then you'll totally forget one hole. And it's because you're at a heightened sense of concentration. I think they call it the flow, don't they? So when, you, when you're when you concentrating so much, you tend to f- forget things. And so I always listen back to the podcast episodes. And funnily enough, I do end up, pick up, I end up picking up on stuff that, that we maybe didn't touch on. And it's good as well because you think, well, next time I'm going to look out for that because I'd ask this question if I was to do it again. Um, but anyway, it got me thinking about what Amazon are doing and what they're doing with the Food Network and, and what the potential of that could be. So essentially, they're working on first-party functionality – so Amazon are building the live broadcasting capability. It's not going to be in a skill. The food. It's not the Food Network skill that pump live broadcasts through. It's Amazon first-party live broadcasting, and the way that you get to that is that you say Alexa, start a live cooking broadcast or whatever the, whatever it is. They then go to the Food Network feed, which is basically just an endpoint that the Food Network provide Amazon with a series of metadata. I don't know what the metadata is. That was one of the questions that I think we probably should have asked Tim, but I'm assuming it's stuff like. Categories, chef names, recipe details, you know, step by step of the recipe, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then they will play that feed when you ask for it. And so I was thinking one of the biggest barriers to Alexa skills and the reason I think why discoverability is so poor is because it's like, it's a little bit like when you fall out with somebody in school and you're not speaking to them anymore. And so you'll get your friend to pass on a message. And so you'll say to Susie, Susie, tell Carl that I'm not speaking to him. So Susie will turn around and tell Carl, And Carl will say, well, Susie, tell Kane that I'm not speaking to him either. So it's almost like you need to ask Alexa to ask the brand to do something. It's almost like Chinese whispers. And I think that's one of the barriers to it is because that's quite a lot of information for people to wrap the head around. You need to know that the brand or the skill exists. You need to know what it's called. Then you need to know what functionality it provides, which is a whole, it's a lot of stuff. Whereas if you were just able to say, Alexa, Play a live show, Alexa. Do this. It's almost like the Im- Im- implicit invocations that they've been talking about. Um, and so I can I can see an opportunity with not just live broadcasting, but with other things as well. It could be TV, it could be on-demand content, it could be news, whatever, um, or even stories, audio books, music, etc. In in being just able to provide Alexa with an endpoint with a series of metadata and then when people just ask for something it uses that to fulfill it first party rather than trying to figure out how to put people into a skill does that make sense
1: yeah it makes a lot of sense and and as you're mentioning this you know something came to me that i never really thought about before and i hope that they're they're looking into it it would be interesting for these platforms to have these ideas of topics or or functionality or whatever so let's say Let's domains. say baseball for what domains. domains yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So let's say, you know, even as specific as baseball or let's say even as specific as a specific team like Liverpool, right? Uh, you, you know, that you can, they can do this, especially Google. You know that they can do this because if you ever use Google now you can say, tell me more about this team or tell me more about this topic. <laughs> and in that perhaps they can open up and allow you to say, anytime I ask about this domain, use this skill or use this action. So if I'm asking, you know, what was the, what were the baseball scores last night? And it brings up the, let's say ESPN skill, right. Or play a podcast. And it, it always uses the same podcast skill or same podcast action, but you can specify what those are sort of like default skills, or default actions. That as a consumer, but also as a developer, that's really what
0: I would like to see on these platforms. Mm. That's what Bixby allows you to do, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that's that, That's one of the things I think Bixby does really well, as well as um, allowing you, allowing third-party developers to build something that can displace first-party functionality, mm-hmm. which I think is totally unique as well. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, Essentially, what that is, is it's giving users more control over personalizing their experiences, isn't it?
1: Yeah. I could definitely see some, some challenges here, right? What if you want to, or say, let's, what if you forget, right? Or uh, yeah, you forget, you say, Oh, you know, I always want this skill when I ask about movies, but then you forget later or how closely should those domains huge requests, right? If I ask for movies, then I ask for theaters near me, is, is that a movie request? Is that a map request? You know, I can definitely understand why that might be a little confusing. However, at the same time, it could provide a lot of value too. So it would be very interesting to see that. And while it doesn't solve, uh, solve discoverability, it does solve that problem that brands are having and saying, you know, I don't really want to jump in because how do I know someone's going to come back to my skill and someone's going to, used it over and over.
0: Mm. Yeah. That, and But to be honest, people are creatures of habit, aren't they? And so, once you've set a skill for a domain, then... Would you want to Would you switch it? I mean, it's—I don't know. It's—it's it's like it's a, it's a typical kind of takeaway conundrum, isn't it? When you order a takeaway, every single time we order a takeaway, we get the menu out, or we'll find the menu online. We'll look over it, and if we're ordering something from the Chinese, then I'll end up getting uh, sweet and sour chicken balls in batter with rice, and Gemma will end up getting uh, some kind of noodle dish with a chicken curry, and that happens nine times out of ten. Yet we still peruse the menu. So everyone's creatures of habit, isn't it? So I think if you can get the experience right. And providing it's not, you know, horrific, which some skills are, if we're honest with each other, um, if you can get the experience right and you can be reliable, all that's going to do is it's just going to reduce the friction to get in there next time, isn't it? Which I think is right. It's, it's part yeah, of Yeah, significantly. Mm. Interesting. So some of the other stuff that I think has been interesting that's been going on is that uh, Spotify have not said this, not a Spotify announcement, but if anyone has ever come across Jane Manchun Wong, if you haven't, follow her on Twitter because she's an incredibly interesting character. She tends to unearth things in apps that are like up and coming features, and she kind of like leaks stuff all the time. Sometimes I think that the the brands do stuff on purpose. don't The companies do stuff on purpose, and they put stuff in their apps for so people to find. Uh, but she tends to find them anyway. And she found uh, something in the Spotify app, which uh, it's a tweet that she posted, and we'll link to it in the show notes. But it says, "Hey Spotify," in brackets or quotations. If enabled, Spotify will listen for Hey Spotify when the app is open and on your screen. So... Obviously, we know Spotify were trialling voice search in the app last year, um, but seemingly now all the signs are saying that Spotify are going to release some kind of wake word, whether it's whether it's a voice assistant within a Spotify app or whether or not it's hooking up that voice search thing that they've trialled and pairing it with a wake word, it's probably that's more likely. Um, but essentially, what, what I suspect it will enable you to do, and this is why I think it's interesting, Pandora have done this already, is that when you're in Spotify... And you are, I, I don't use Spotify all the time, but I use it on my mobile. Um, so when you're in Spotify, usually when you're listening to a song, it'll have a, a screen with the artist picture on it and a play button, fast forward button, etc. cetera. Um, for you to switch artists, switch songs, switch playlist, or whatever, you need to minimise that screen. You need to click something to minimise that screen. And then you need to click on the search bar or the search button. Then you need to, type a search, which could be however many taps. If it's Jay-Z, you're only talking about four or five, but if it's something longer, like London Philharmonic Orchestra, you could be there all day. And then, then you need to get your search results, browse those results, figure out whether, whether or not you want a playlist or an artist or whatever, then click on it, and then either click on shuffle play or scroll down to pick a song that you want to play. So that, I mean, it might take you 30 seconds. It's not a huge length of time in the grand scheme of things, but in terms of the number of actions you need to go through to get there, it's quite a lot. And what this will do is when, this, when the apps open, you can just say, hey, Spotify, play Jay-Z, play the Blackbirds, etc." And then presumably, I don't know if it'll take you to a search page for you to then tap, whether it will just circumnavigate a few steps, or whether or not it will actually just use its intelligence and play Jay Z immediately, it's, it's a little bit unclear. Um, but what it's doing is it's essentially it's collapsing the user journey. The the user journey is still the same in terms of the start point and the end point, the need is still the same. The behavior is still very much similar, but what it's doing is it's just collapsing the whole user journey. And I think that's what I think is really interesting about it.
1: Yeah, that's really interesting. And you see going back to our point from earlier how many of these large brands want to be tenants on another platform, right? If they can, if they can move away from it, or, you know, Spotify is not even necessarily moving away from it because we're, they're not taking Spotify off of, you know, off of Google assistant or off of Alexa, but they do know that people are using their phones you know, just as much. And so they see that value. And especially in media, media is just really the perfect use today of voice. So it's it's great to see Spotify following Pandora's lead in a way and, and see this more and more where people are going, okay, it's not just smart speakers. This is something that, you know, you and I have discussed about and, you know, in my day-to-day work, you know, I'm telling people this all the time. It's not just about smart speakers. It's really about where does voice natural language conversational, where does it make things easier? And like you said, in this case certainly it appears to really just make that flow a lot easier Hmm.
0: i think we're going to see a hell of a lot more of this and from spotify you know yes they have a default presence on google assistant and alexa however penetration, market penetration of smart speakers is nowhere near the market penetration of smartphones. And I would wager that the, the overwhelming majority of people that listen to Spotify are still listening to it on their phone. And so it's it's taking probably learnings that they've learned through having close relationships with Amazon and Google <clears throat> and through trialing the voice search in their app itself. It's taking those learnings and applying it to where their users And I'm wondering whether that's a process that more and more companies will consider is experimenting on smart speakers for the sake of pushing something out there to market and gathering learnings to figure out how people talk, what interactions they want to have, how the conversation patterns go, learning a bit about the technology before then taking that learning and applying it to your own channels where your actual volume is. For, for most people, your volume isn't on smart speakers. The volume is either in your telephone lines or it's in your app or it's on your website. It's, it's in your existing estate. And you can use these smart speakers, voice assistant platforms, to gather enough learning and enough intel to figure out what the conversation design pattern needs to be, to figure out what user needs people have in this conversational environment. What conversational domains do you need to care for? And then take all of that learning, like Spotify have, deploy it into your own touch points, into your own estate. And that's where the value ultimately is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great point. And, you know, even if these smart assistants are expanding pretty rapidly, there are just like you said, there are places where they are not, there are places where even if they are expanding, you're not going to have full control over it. And so this is the kind of thing where, you know, maybe Spotify sees that people are using their phones in the car a lot. Right. We, we go back to that. Where, you know, in your car, for example, you can probably hook up via Bluetooth. And so you can plug in your phone, hook up via Bluetooth, and then you don't have to worry about that default voice control that you have in there. You can just leave Spotify open, leave it, leave the screen unlocked. And then you essentially have a a smart assistant, maybe one that's just scoped on music, but that's what in the car, at least a lot of people are looking for.
0: Mm. Yeah. Do you think we'll see um, similar examples of, you mentioned that the voice assistant focused on music, and there is scope for other voice assistants or voice capability focused on other? Domains. We'd already spoke about domains in the smart speaker realm. But outside of that, I'm thinking about like BBC, for example, working on their own voice assistant. And that is intended purely to surface media content from the BBC archives that, that people might want to learn more about or consume. So that's basically going to be very much a BBC content assistant, I think. The con- the Spotify one is very much a music based voice assistant. Do you think we're going to see more of that? Where we're going to see different brands creating their own technologies that focus on different domains?
1: Potentially, it's it's a lot of work. It's a it's a whole lot of work, and so that's why we're seeing Spotify, BBC doing this because they're the ones who are capable of doing it. Are we going to see smaller companies doing it and, and building it all themselves? I would say probably not. Again, in the you know in the SaaS conversations that I'm having on a regular basis, you know, you keep coming back to the build versus buy conversation. Are we going to build this ourselves? Are we going to buy a technology? And you do have technology like Houndify. You have others as well who can build this on the web and mobile and in hardware also. And so that's what I think you might see more often where to the consumer doesn't really matter, right? To the consumer, it's a, it's a branded thing. And so you might see, for example, I'm trying to think, the Wall Street Journal, right? Or even say like Robinhood, right? Where this is a very niche type of thing, but it provides a lot of value to a very specific audience. And so I think you, you might see this a a lot more, you know, I would hope at least because there are user interactions that do provide or do receive a lot of value through a voice and conversational. And that shouldn't only be on the smart assistants.
0: Hmm. Yeah, definitely. Media is, media is a, a prime example. Um <clears throat> banking could be a good one, you know, your 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 banking app uh, being able to get around that really easily. Um any other things around like um you know, I'm thinking of things like TripAdvisor, Booking dot com, stuff like that. You know, if you <clears throat> excuse me, if you're on booking dot com looking for a hotel and you apply a shed ton of filters and you've narrowed it down to a location and a price bracket, but there's nothing there that you really fancy just clearing them filters and starting to search again is a nightmare. It'd be a lot easier just to tap on a mic and just say, you know, try a day earlier or up the price or whatever it might be. And so I'm sure there's, if you look, I reckon for everyone listening, if you look, go, if you've got an iPhone, I'm sure Android has something similar. I do this all the time. Uh, if you go to your battery power and it will tell you which apps are using most of your battery power. The reason why I do it all the time is because I rearrange my home screen all the time to the apps that I use most often being right there when I unlock my phone. But what's interesting is if you look at the apps that you use often and think about the things that you do in them, most of the time, it requires a shed ton of clicking and tapping and swiping, and I think that's where there is value in voice interfaces. Is that certainly with apps and possibly even on websites? Um, websites is a prime example as well because there's just vast, vast content on there, and a lot of the search engines on on some websites are not actually that great. Maybe they should be looking at Algolia, but some of them are terrible. Um, so yeah, I think there's, there's definitely I think we're, gonna, we're definitely going to see a lot more of this uh, as we as we go forward over the next twelve months or so.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I think in a lot of ways, you know, we've talked about this before. I think talking about things in regards to voice has actually been bad strategically because I, it really is about the natural language. You talk about the search on websites, right? You know, that provides value even if it's not done through voice, right? You're on, let's say a, a clothing website and you search for something like, you know, a uh, a good dress for a cocktail party, right? That's, that's something that through natural language is you still want that result. And that's the kind of way that we would communicate with each other. You may not be going to a website, clicking on a mic and, and saying, show me a, a dress good for a cocktail party. But that understanding is, is incredibly valuable. I also don't know, I have mentioned this on this podcast before, but we've worked with a customer Via an agency in Canada where they're bringing this into their stores have I told you
0: about this before Gabe? Uh, I think you might have mentioned it but I don't think we've covered it on the podcast
1: yeah so this is something where we're going to reveal more information about this soon but essentially their advisors in the store they're all about hands-on assistance They're they're selling things at quite a high price point and things that are very specific so it's not it's not like going into an Apple store and, you know, just buying, you know, an iPod or or an iPhone, but it's something that's quite tailored. And so these people, these advisors, they might often have their hands full. They might need to look for, for products. And so what they're doing is they have a mobile app. Now it's, it's a bring your own device system, but theoretically it could be a standalone device or, or whatever. And they're able to tap it and search for that product while they're still speaking with the customer. And so that allows them to continue to build that, that hands-on, that very personal relationship while not having to go to the point-of-sale device and say, tap in and search exactly what they're looking for. And so that's another system where you think, okay, you know, this isn't a smart assistant, but it's providing a lot of value, it's providing a lot of ROI.
0: Mm. Definitely, there's a, there's another thing I've I've come across kind of similar to that, which is um, <clears throat> a chap in Romania. I won't say his name in case uh, he doesn't want any of this sort of stuff uh, getting out there. I'm not going to mention brands or that, well, but the concept in terms of the concept, it's um, it's a very similar kind of thing, but using the Fire Stick and uh, the Alexa on the Fire Stick, <clears throat> and essentially it's for a suit brand that makes suits. And the idea is that in the store, very much a similar kind of vibe. They they have a very personal service, very high end. The idea is, and the concept is to have a a TV screen, massive TV screen in the store running an an Alexa skill through a fire stick. And then the assistant stands with the person and then they can go through, you know, what kind of suit do you want? Oh, I want something for your exam or cocktail party. Okay. Search on Alexa using the voice, show me suits for a cocktail party. And then what's your size? Well I'm a thirty, I don't know what it is, thirty-two waist and a forty-four chest, right? What well, do we have any in stock? Here's here's five suits. Do you like any which one which ones do you like? <coughs> Excuse me. So it's kinda of like it's almost like that. It's still a personalized service, but you're using the technology to facilitate the conversation.
1: Yeah, it's I think sometimes the most exciting things and really what drives things forward are not the b to c the sexy ones uh, like Spotify, right? That's, that's quite interesting, but I don't think you're going to see a ton of businesses join into voice because Spotify is doing it, certainly in the media space. Absolutely. That's, that's one of the leaders, one of the ones that people are looking towards, but if you want broad adoption, it's these, and I don't want to say less sexy because they are quite interesting, but the ones that, are not perhaps as prevalent, the ones that you're not reading about on TechCrunch or The Verge or those types of industry publications, but the ones that you're actually reading in suits today or or whatever, whatever publications are around that.
0: Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think that, that it's the it's always the kind of things either flying under the radar or the things that, uh, in that those two examples, it's almost like um, one is a very practical example, your example is a very practical example, but what's behind it is an outcome. So it's allowing someone to get something done without leaving the customer and going to a a till terminal over the other side. And the other one I was talking about is more of an experiential thing. It's almost like a retail experience kind of thing. But there's still a very practical outcome because the person who is uh, facilitating the conversation doesn't need to be walking all over the shop trying to find suits and trying to check stocks and stuff like that. Two people can have the conversation there and then. So it's still focused on outcomes. Um, And I think what's interesting is that when you start thinking about outcomes, you need to start broadening your mind a little bit beyond Alexa and Google Assistant and the platforms that we talk about often enough. Um, and you know, we're saying you were saying there in terms of um, companies. Maybe not everyone might be optimising their apps and stuff like that, but I, I, I kind of disagree. I think, I think that they will. I think we'll see a lot more voice interfaces and conversational interfaces enter apps as well as websites. And, and the thing that, and I did a vlog on this as well the other week, which is that the thing that's been hampering this for a long time has been having the tooling to actually do it. You know, so if you uh, let's say, for example, you have a phone system and a contact center and you want to automate some of your conversations, there's been certain tools that you can use to do that. You can use Twilio autopilot, for example, if you want to put a voice interface into your uh into your app, there's ways and means of doing that. You could use Cobalt speech or you could use dialogue flow or whatever it might be. But there hasn't really been one unifying technology that sits underneath everything that you can kind of essentially code it once, build it once and deploy it everywhere. Well, until now. So so Jovo released their latest framework version three uh last week or the week before and that's basically what it does. So now you can support uh voice applications in in Bixby and you can build web applications and and all kinds of conversational components for Facebook Messenger and stuff like that. So and the reason release support for Twilio as well. I think that might have even been this week or last week. And so it seems though, it seems as though we we are now at a point where we can have the two we've got the tools basically to to do most of the stuff that we've kind of been describing all the way through this episode.
1: Yeah, and Joe was great. I in the very Beginning, I was a Jovo skeptic. I thought, you know, this is a great team, very nice people, but for my day-to-day development work, this isn't isn't the tool for me. I really want a fine-grained control, and I really want to know exactly what the code underneath is doing. And certainly if you're doing very specialized things, perhaps Jovo is not the way to go. However, the great thing about Jovo is I would recommend it for nearly anyone because the tooling that they built in is so valuable. Certainly the ability to go cross-platform is interesting without a doubt. But beyond that, Jovo really cares about the developer experience. And so what I found when I finally did jump into Jovo because I had a project where I needed to go deep into into that tooling because I wanted to go cross-platform is these types of things that I was pulling into every single skill or every single action that I was doing anyway, was already into Jumbo. And so it's, it's really great to see that they are not just Alexa. They're not just Google assistant now, but it really is nearly anything. And the web I think is a, is quite an interesting one. I really do because that does open up some, some very interesting opportunities, but even more than that, If you are a company that has an NLU service, you can integrate with Jovo as well. So what we're seeing today is just the beginning, right? It's really going to open up. And if a company builds something that's better than Dialogflow, better than uh, Twilio, they can integrate with Jovo and it's going to be just as easy to use them.
0: Mm. It's much because Jan Koenig was one of the first people that we had on the podcast. And what he was talking about was this kind of multimodal vision. It was the first time I'd heard the term multimodal, to be honest. Jan Koenig, you you taught me that phrase. Uh, as well as as well as many other things. Because he was talking about um You know, if you start listening to a podcast in your kitchen and then you hop into your car, you want to be able to continue listening to that podcast on the same assistant, carrying on from where you left off and stuff like that. And that hadn't really been possible. And I started seeing that becoming possible with Google Assistant. Like if I'm if I'm watching a YouTube video in the front room and I pause it and I go into the dining room, I can resume that. On the Home Hub, which is pretty cool, um, but that's that's first-party stuff. That's that's Google. You know, the, the ability to do stuff like that hadn't really been possible on for third parties. And he was also talking about voice assistants, like the interface disappearing and and conversational interfaces and voice assistants being ever-present and accessible anywhere, and also coupled with screens. Um, and he kind of explained the vision for Jovo in, in uh, trying to allow people to do that. Now, at the time, they were supporting Alexa and Google Assistant, but he was talking about the vision of where he wanted it to go. And it's nice to to see that come about, not only because Jan and Alex are two fantastic people and, and really, really valued members of the community, so it's really good to see them realising that vision. But also, from a selfish perspective, we now have a, have the, the tooling that we've been kind of wanting for, for quite a while.
1: Yeah it's really great to see what they've done and excited to see what they're going to do next too. I know they are always open to feedback from the community too. They're jumping on GitHub issues and, and pull requests and everything really, really, really quickly. And so if anyone hasn't checked out, we'll definitely recommend they check it out and provide feedback to the Jobo team.
0: Cool. So that's uh, that's probably it for for this this episode, and uh, I think we've covered quite a lot there. We think we got through quite a bit. Yeah, it's
1: you know it's the kind of thing where every time we have a rundown, we say we should do this again soon, and then then a few months pass. So in tradition, we should do this again soon.
0: <laughs> mm. I think we should. I think we should. Well, now now that there's there's a bit more time on on the diary these days, and so um, yeah, maybe we should make this a uh, Maybe it's a a bi-weekly thing, because uh, what's good is that usually when we do the rundown, we cover pretty much news stories and discuss news. Um, But I'd be interested to get your feedback on this one, because although we've weaved in news stories, it's been a lot of talking about the way that we see the landscape unfolding. And I think that's where the value is for people, because anyone can read the news stories on, on VoiceBot or any of the newsletters that go on. I think what really matters is translating all of that stuff into, you know, insights that people can use to either inform themselves and educate themselves as to what this stuff really means or help educate yourself in terms of how to be thinking about this technology and and, and what's going on in the industry in general. So do reach out and and let us know, uh, how you've found it. And, uh, yeah, we'll do this again very soon. Dustin.
1: Yeah. I'd also be interested in hearing as well if people, you know, because you and Kane, you and I Kane, we're working on projects together. We're working on, on things separately as well. I'd also be interested in hearing from people if they would be interested in hearing on what we're learning there as well. Is that something where if we bring our learnings that people would be interested in hearing those in a rundown episode?
0: Definitely. That is a good shout. Yes. So please do please do reach out. We're on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, you know, all, all of those kind of things. Uh, so just drop us a line. Until next time. See you later.